0: We've read several psalms this evening, and as I and as I said, I've I've named this the Babylonian Hallel. There are a number of of groupings of psalms found in the whole book of Psalms, commonly called the Psalter. Most notably, uh, the Songs of Ascents, uh, which are found in Psalm 120 through 134, and they're all labeled that, and so it's a very uh, clear grouping. A, a group of sermons or psalms that we looked at some months ago, some year, maybe even a year or so ago beyond that is uh, the, the Egyptian Halal, and that's Psalm 113 to 118, and it's called that by uh, the Jewish people. I believe it's in the Targum, but it, or one of the, the Jewish books. But the fact of the matter is, it, it's considered that and used at Passover as a group of psalms. I took it a little bit wider and took those Hallelujah psalms, because there's that group from 111 to 118, that use that word either at the beginning or the end of the psalm and then 118 that capstone uh, psalm that talks about giving thanks there's clearly groupings of psalms and it's sometimes difficult to know exactly what those groupings are maybe psalm 22 23 and 24 are are a group about the savior uh, and, and you, could, you could find different ones that agree in different ways. There are some that are just small groups, 103 and 104, 105 and 106. If you know anything about your Psalter, you'll be able to find those and see those. And I've encouraged you in the past, and I think it's, it's helpful that when we read through the Psalms, that we think about them in terms of uh, not just an individual poem, though it's right and Certainly, certainly profitable to benefit from that way, but to think of them in groups and sometimes try to see what is the thread, what's the progression that takes place. Well, in the Psalms that we've read this evening, Psalm 135 to 138, I'm calling it the Babylonian halal because like the Egyptian halal, there are three Psalms, if you start with 111, 111, 112, 113, that all give praise to Jehovah in one way or another. And then Psalm 114, which is right there in the middle, Uh, doesn't have the word hallelujah in it at all, but it talks about the deliverance from Egypt. And that's the psalm which gives the title for the whole section. So in looking at the deliverance from Egypt, they're to praise Jehovah in these various ways, and in the three psalms that follow, they're to praise him and to give thanks to him. Well, I'd like to look at these psalms, whether you agree with me that they go together or not. I think they go together. And what I'd really like for us to consider as we look at these psalms, and we'll be focusing on the last psalm most, but looking at these psalms, I'd like for us to to look at something of a praise of Jehovah in light of deliverance from Babylon. A multifaceted view of giving thanks. A multifaceted view of giving thanks. Now, if you go back to Psalm 135, I'm going to do, qu- do a very quick exposition of each of these first four psalms. Uh, first three psalms, and then we'll come to 138. Psalm 135 is a psalm of praise based in part on God's uh, hist- on the history of redemption of Israel. Notice in, in verse 1, we have that phrase, hallelujah, or praise Yah, it's found again in verse three, and found again in verse twenty-one. In verses one and two, it's highlighted. Praise the name of Yahweh, which highlights his reputation of loving kindness and faithfulness. Notice that in, in verse two, you you who stand in the house of the Lord. Excuse me, in verse was it verse three, verse four? No. Got myself confused here. So just read verse 1. Praise Yah. Praise the name of Yahweh. There it is. Praise Him, O slaves of Yahweh, you who stand in the house of Yahweh, in the courts of the house of praise Yah, for Yahweh is good. Sing praises to His name, for it is lovely. So we have this this statement of praise, these commands to praise. Then in verses 3 through 12, we have a praise of the lovely name of the good God. He seeks to encourage them to praise god whose name is lovely or whose praise of his name is lovely and notice with me verse four in particular because this is uh, tied to what pastor hoffmeyer preached in from second peter or first peter chapter 2 for yah has chosen jacob for himself Israel for his treasured possession. This is one of the few places in the Old Testament he didn't look at when he talked about the Old Testament use of this phrase. And so he's saying, praise God. Why? Because of his special selection, that is what we call election, he chose them. And because of the specialness of that, that they were chosen not just to be an instrument in his hand to, to accomplish some purpose, but to be his special treasured possession. His adopted children, if you will. And then in verses 3, he goes on in, in, the, in the other verses, 5 through 12, to talk about the reality of God's sovereignty in salvation. So we see election and we see a special relationship made between the people of God and Uh, and God himself, Yahweh. Then we see him sovereign over creation in verse 5, which is something the so-called gods can't even do. And then we see his sovereignty over salvation, something the so-called gods of Egypt could not stop. When God said, I'm going to save this people out of Egypt, he called them out of Egypt. And so this psalm highlights for us something of, of God's work in creation, and in redemption, and how that should result in praise. Praise the name of Yah. Praise him for his reputation of being loving and faithful. Praise his lovely name. And then in verses 13 to 18, praise the everlasting name of the just God. Notice with me verse 13. O oh, Yahweh, your name is everlasting. Oh, Yahweh, your remembrance is from generation to generation. For Yahweh will render justice for his people. And so now he's going to turn. And he's going to say, now, not only we praise him for his election and his sovereignty in salvation, we're going to praise him because he is a God who is just forever, always just, forever just. And so render justice, give comfort to your people and render justice in in dealing with the nations something which he goes on to talk about the idols that's how he talks about the idols and he talks about these idols made by men's hands and they they have no mouths or eyes or or ears sounds very similar to another psalm but he leaves out the noses I believe it's in the context of, of justice he's saying you know what those gods that you serve they can't serve you any justice they can't give you any comfort they can't even see what you're going through. They can't, they can't speak to you any words of comfort. They're absolutely useless, all these gods that man has made. And so bless Yahweh, who dwells in your midst, verse 21. There's Psalm 135, a psalm of praise to God based on the creation and redemption by this God. Psalm 136 then comes over uh, and goes down basically similar road, a psalm of gratitude based on the history of redemption and creation. Whereas Psalm 135 speaks of praising Yahweh and blessing Yahweh, Psalm 136 speaks of giving thanks to Yahweh. Three times the command is given, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks in verses 1 through 3. And then it closes in the last verse, give thanks to the God of heaven. But it was obvious, wasn't it, the notable refrain? Now, I'm not a big one on hymns that have refrains. It's over and over and over again because... But, you know, we do have a biblical example of it. And this is repeated for a particular reason. It's the same things, basically, that Psalm 135 says, but he says, wait a minute, did you stop and notice that as we talk about creation and all the various ways that God, all the various things that God created in the universe... And when we talk about redemption and all that God did in redeeming his people, did you notice one thing? Maybe you noticed his power. That would be good. Maybe you noticed his wisdom. That would be marvelous. But the psalmist says, did you notice his loving kindness? Did you notice his tender mercies? Did you notice how extreme he was in his mercy, in all that he created, and in all that he did to redeem you? And then he ends by coming back to this reality. And he says, Loving kindness even descends to the table at which you sat at lunch today. For he gave food to you. His loving kindness indeed never ceases. So we see him preserving his people, maturing his people, giving to the undeserving and to the needy. And the capstone is, Give thanks to the God of heaven. Now, notice one other thing about this psalm. Not only does he highlight the loving kindness of God and the faithfulness of God, but notice he highlights God. Because in each of these things, he doesn't say just look at the stars. He says look at the one who made them, who did great wonders. Who did this? Who did that? Who did this? And so the whole focus is on everything that's happening. Are you looking at God? And are you seeing his loving kindness? If you are, then give thanks. Because he is your God. Give thanks, as he is your Lord. Give thanks, for he's the God of heaven. There's Psalm 136. So we've looked at a psalm of praise in Psalm 135. And from that, then we moved. This praise is to take the form at times of giving thanks. And giving of thanks is a form of praise. It's a form of worship of our God. And so we have Psalm 136. Then we come to Psalm 137, that very strange psalm, and the psalm which is not one that we generally look to. But there's some really precious verses in there, but Psalm 137 is a lament, and it's one of those imprecatory psalms. That is, a man coming to God with his concerns and his burdens for the enemies that he faces, and he casts these things upon God and says, God, if you're not going to deal with them in mercy, then take them out of the way. Now, he's not just venting his own carnal anger, and I won't go into all the things about imprecation, but he is calling upon a just God to deal justly with sin. But he's lamenting. And by putting this psalm in the midst of this, we're going to come to Psalm 138, which is another psalm of giving thanks. I think he sets the context for such gratitude. When should you give gratitude to God? When you look back and see what it was like to be in exile. When you look back to see what it was like to be under the chastisement of God, under the wrath of God, if you will, and yet you've been delivered. That's when you should give thanks. In the context, even when you're in those circumstances, as we'll see in Psalm 138. In verses 1 through 3, there's, there's a reproach. They're taunted. Go ahead, sing us a song of Zion, because it doesn't exist anymore. Sing it for us. I think that's the context the kind of the, the way we're to understand this. Go ahead, sing for us, because they say, wait a minute, how can we sing in that? We can't sing as though it doesn't exist anymore. We can't sing just because you think this is a funny thing to do. Taunted, there's reproach. And their response is one of silent remembrance. It's not that they've forgotten Jerusalem. They remember, but they remember without any grumbling. Verses 4 through 6. And then in verses 7 through 9, there's the request for righteous repayment casting all of those cares and all of those burdens and all of those problems and all of those enemies on the in the hands of a living god so whether you're in exile or you can look back to when you were in exile give thanks that brings us to psalm 138 psalm 138 now follow along in your copy of god's word as i read our psalm for this evening Psalm 138. I will give you thanks with all my heart. And this is a Psalm of David as it's titled. I will give thanks, give you thanks with all my heart. I will sing praises to you before the gods. I will worship toward your holy temple. I will give thanks to your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word according to all your name. On the day I called, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth, O Yahweh, will give you thanks. When they hear the words of your mouth, and they will sing of the ways of Yahweh. For great is the glory of Yahweh, for Yahweh is high. Yet he sees the lowly. But the one who exalts himself, he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of distress, you will revive me. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. Yahweh will accomplish what concerns me. O oh, Yahweh, your loving kindness endures forever. Do not fail the works of your hands. I there's three basic points to this particular psalm as we get this capstone, as it were, to this Babylonian halal. We've seen that we're to praise Yahweh, for his creative and redemptive activities. We're to give thanks to God for his creative and his redemptive activities. And we are to lament and feel something of the pressure. It's that there are, there are enemies in this world that we face, and we can even give those to God. And yet in that context, we still need to praise and worship and give thanks. He begins with gratitude and commitment verses 1 through 3, and then we'll see gratitude and hope, verses 4 through 6, and then the final point is gratitude and confidence, verses 7 through 8. Begin then with me looking at this, verses 1 through 3, gratitude and commitment, gratitude and commitment. Now, this is a very personal psalm. There's a personal commitment of the psalmist to give thanks he says in verse 1, I will give thanks. And he says, I will sing. Notice how personal this is. This is capital A under my commitment and gratitude and commitment. Personal commitment in gratitude. He's personally committed. And this is different than the other Psalms. Now we've just gotten right down to one man saying, this is what I will do. I will give thanks. I will sing. Verse 2, I will worship. I will give thanks. Verse 3. I called, you answered me. You made me bold. Verse 7. I walk, you will receive me. My enemies, you will save me. And then verse 8, wonderful verse. Yahweh will accomplish what concerns me. See how personal he's gotten all of a sudden. Gratitude is is as it were, something that is to be done on a personal level, even in the company of God's people at times. Every individual engaged in giving thanks. Then we come to the second point in this first three verses, and it's worshipful engagement in gratitude. Worshipful engagement. We've seen personal commitment. Now, worshipful engagement. How does he engage in it? He says, I will give thanks. The word give thanks could be translated, I will confess could be used to say, I will confess sin. You know what that means, to agree with God about the particular sins that you've committed and to go to him and confess. Yes, I'm a sinner in need of forgiveness. But here it's not confessing sin, but it's confessing God. His giving of thanks is a confession, an acknowledgement of God's attributes, of God's characteristics and his wondrous works. Notice verse 2. He says, he will give thanks to your name. That is, your name, your reputation as God and and the way that you display your glory. I will give thanks to your name. And then verse 2, he tells us specifically what aspects of God's character, what aspects, what attributes is he going to focus on? Loving kindness and truth. Now, do you see why I read some of these other Psalms? You start seeing some of the connections here. Loving kindness has been a note here. Truth and faithfulness has been a note here. He says, this is what I've seen of you. Here's what I'm going to thank you for. That you are a God who abounds in loving kindness. That you are a God who is faithful. We saw that in Psalm 135. We saw it especially in Psalm 136. These two words of loving kindness and truth are used in a very earthy uh, example in the Old Testament. If we understand something of what this is, it's, it's Abraham's servant. Remember, Abraham's servant was to go and to get a, a, a wife for his son Isaac. And so he, he's not to do it except from the people that are part of Abraham's family. And so he goes and goes to the country and he comes to this, this well, and lo and behold, he sees this beautiful woman walking up, and he asks her, he says, and he's already prayed, Lord, if if if, if the woman that I ask comes and waters my camels and take care of me, then this is the one. Lo and behold, she, she does. Oh. He stands back and you can just, one, one question, where are you from? You know? Oh, this is my family. <gasps> That's the family. And listen to what he says. Blessed be Yahweh, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his loving kindness and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, Yahweh has guided me in the way to the house of my master's brothers. He says, this is exactly where I need to go. God has shown me an amazing amount of loving kindness. He has been faithful to my master. He's answered my prayer. I come up to this woman and here she is. What an amazing answer to prayer. He says, so he gives thanks. He confesses who God is. But the psalmist now, going back to the psalmist, he's the one who is, is going to uh, give thanks to God's name, his loving kindness and his truth, but he's also going to sing praises. Sing praises. This is a word related to, the, to psalm, uh, what's translated psalms, with strings. It's, it's used of all kinds of music. It can be translated with strings or with uh, some sort of stringed instrument. But I I love it because you know he says you know I'm going to give thanks to God and it's not just good enough that I'm going to say it I got to sing it it's gonna it's just going to fill my heart and it's going to come out in poetry and music I will sing His praises it's going to be on my lips and I will worship. In Another word, here he speaks of this, this is this worshipful context and worshipful way in which he gives thanks. He's going to sing it and he's going to bow down, a manifestation of, of humility, a manifestation of humbling himself, submitting himself to the one to whom he's giving praise, to the one to whom he's giving thanks. He wants to honor this one. But notice it's particularly to honor God by looking to his holy temple. I will worship toward your holy temple, the place where you have promised to meet with your people, the place where you have placed your name. I'm going to focus my attention there. This whole matter of giving of thanks that he highlights for us is done in a context in which there's just, there is praise and adoration given to God. There, there is the confessing of who God is, and, and there is also this whole matter of, of bowing down before him to honor him and to humble oneself. It's intensely personal. But it's with a view toward corpor- a corporate setting. In other places, other places in the scriptures we see that. Psalm 111, verse 1, or Psalm 149, verse 1, where it's to be done in the assembly of the holy ones. And so we've seen this worshipful engagement. Thirdly, under this first point, strong commitment to gratitude, his strong commitment. Now, I highlight this because I want you to see that the gratitude, I think, is the key here, the primary thing he's aiming at. These other things of singing his praises and speaking to him are important, and they're part of it. But notice how he highlights for us this matter of giving thanks. He starts with it. I will give thanks. And then he bookends it at the end of verse 2. I will give thanks to your name. And he highlights the reality, this highlights the reality that he really is wanting to honor God by this matter of giving thanks. But then notice with me, the word is, appears again in verse 4. All the kings of the earth, O Yahweh, will give thanks. And this is going to be something which we'll look at in a little bit, just to highlight A real difference in the nations that's taken place. But then notice how he says, I'll give thanks. Verse 1, I will give thanks with all my heart. Now, this is one of the places in the the Old Testament where it actually has the pronoun. Oftentimes, when you read this in the Old Testament, you'll, you'll see that it says, give thanks or do this with all heart, but it won't have the pronoun. It'll be implied or it'll be supplied, and you'll see it in italics. But here it's actually there. He wants to say, my heart, with all my heart. When I come to give thanks to you, I'm going to use my brain. I'm going to think about the things that you've done. I want my feelings to be engaged. I want it to be something passionate. And I want to have my desires focused. That you are the one to whom I want to give thanks more than anything. And I'm determined to do this. There's a commitment here. He's highlighting for us that he wants his whole being engaged. And he says, I want to sing these praises even before the gods. I'm not going to go into all the uses of that word gods and how it's translated. It could either mean one of two things. Either he's the high ones in the earth, and that could be related to verse 4, where he talks about the kings. He says, I'm going to do this even if all the kings of the earth are watching. Daniel before Nebuchadnezzar. I don't care what they see. I'm going to go, do my, I'm going to go worship God, whoever sees me. Or, or it could be that he's actually talking about false gods. And he's just talked about them in one of the earlier Psalms. And you know, they, these people worshiped their gods. And he says, I don't care what you're doing with your gods. I am going to worship my God and I'm going to give thanks to my God and bring praises to my God. Because he's the true God over all so-called gods. But basically, he's saying there's nothing in this world that's going to stop me from giving thanks to you. There's nothing in this world that's going to stop me from doing this in a worshipful fashion, a humble, submissive fashion. There's nothing that's going to stop me from singing these songs. Now, let's be careful. I don't mean that he's a rude singer. You know, uh, the the man spoken of in the book of Proverbs that with a loud voice early in the morning, Good morning! (laughs) What's this? Would you stop that already? I don't need another alarm. Right? He's not rude in what he's doing. He's not like the one who's the 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 one who takes off a garment on a cold day or vinegar and, no, it's not that, but he's just he's one who is not afraid to praise God appropriately in the presence of anyone. It's not gonna stop him. It's a strong commitment. But then notice what the personal encouragement is. Personal encouragement still under this first heading of commitment, gratitude and commitment personal commitment, worshipful engagement, strong commitment to gratitude and now personal encouragements what encouraged him? Well what encouraged him was God's faithfulness to his promise a very strange phrase here at the end of verse two for you have magnified your name or you have exalted you have magnified your word or you have exalted your word above all your name. Well, that's really weird. God's name is, supposed to be below is his word. And I, it, it's, all of the commentators said, this is strange. It's strange Hebrew, It's strange English. And so some of your English Bibles, they change the word. so it says something like, uh, "For you have magnified your word according to all your name, or and all your name." or with all your name. And so they tried to say, well, there's an there's a emanation, there's, there's a change in the Hebrew that was missed. Well, there's no textual evidence for that, but it may be. Others try to make sense of it, and the best that I could find was Derek Kidner, who said this, the meaning of such a sentence could only be that God has fulfilled his promise in a way that surpasses all that he has hitherto revealed to himself. David says, I know you. I know you to be a God full of loving kindness. I know you to be a God who is faithful to all your promises. I know you to be a God who's revealed himself in great ways. But you went over the top with this one. He says, I'm just, I am blown away that you have fulfilled this word. It's kind of like we would say, you know, God, you really have outdone yourself this time. He's just saying, this is just, this promise, this word that you have made is just absolutely beyond my comprehension. God, you're faithful to your promise. And because he has seen God to be faithful to his promise, he says, I'm going to give thanks. He also then says, because God has answered his prayer on the day I called you, on the day I called, you answered me. Verse three, you made me bold with strength in my soul. I prayed, Lord, I prayed, and you answered my prayer. And so I, this is why I give thanks to you. This is why I praise you. This is why I worship you. Because you, you, you answered my prayer, and you gave me strength of soul. Derek Kidner said this. It was just very helpful. He says, not always, it is, excuse me, it is not always the situation which must needs change, which most needs changing. It is as often as not. The man involved in it that needs to be changed. And so the David prays, whatever the prayer was that he prays, he Says, I called to you and you answered me and you know what you gave, did for me? You gave me boldness. You gave me a storm of courage in my soul. You made me to stand. You made me to go forward. And this could be all kinds of things. What did he give him? Well, it could be courage that he gave him. Psalm 27, 4. Wait for Yahweh. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for Yahweh. Maybe it was he gave him courage to be able to stand up and fight the next battle that was coming his way. Or it could be comfort. Strength of soul can be a matter of having comfort in the midst of difficulty. Comfort in the midst of grief. Psalm 119, verse 28. My soul weeps. Because of grief, strengthen me according to your word. Or could be hope. He gave me hope in the midst of circumstances which just seemed hopeless. There was no way out. There was nothing to look for. It was just dark everywhere I turned. Psalm 88. It's just a dark day with nothing but darkness before me and darkness behind me. And yet you gave me hope. Psalm 31 verses 21 to 24. Blessed be Yahweh, for he has made marvelous his loving kindness to me in a besieged city. As for me, I said in my alarm, I am cut off from before your eyes. See the hopelessness in, this, in terms of the circumstances. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried to you, O oh, love Yahweh, all you his godly ones. Yahweh preserves the faithful and fully recompenses the proud doer. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in Yahweh. I prayed when it seemed so hopeless. God drew near and guess what? There was hope. Hope in my soul that my God is full of loving kindness and faithful. And all these things flooding the soul. Or steadfastness and perseverance. Just the ability to continue going on when it just seems like there's nothing left. David sitting at Ziklag when everybody wants to to stone him. His own men. And what does he do? He strengthens himself in the Lord his God. In Yahweh his God. He says, you know what? My God is not changed. Sounds a little bit like Paul saying to the Thessalonians in Second Thessalonians 2, 15 and 17. And if anybody wants these verses, just ask me, I'll send you my notes. I'm sorry, I'm going quickly, but my time is running out. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. Just a big category here. The bottom line is sometimes when you cry out for help in the midst of a difficult circumstance, and you think, Lord, just take this thing away. Lord, just heal this particular, this particular disease. Lord, just get this hurdle out of my way. Lord, just provide for this bill. Lord, just whatever it is that you say. And you're crying to God to fix everything around you. You know what he does? He says, you know what? Instead, I'll give you grace. Because in weakness, my power is made perfect. When you are weak, then, we're, then his strength is manifested. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10. Gratitude and commitment. Are you committed to giving thanks to God? Psalmist was committed. He's an example for us. Committed. In a personal way. In a, in a worshipful way. Not in a, a grumbling sort of way or just kind of a, oh, okay, well, I better give thanks. But really heartfelt, deep, personal, worshipful commitment because you have seen God act on your behalf, you've seen him answer prayers, you've seen him fulfill his promises time and time again, and therefore you are committed, determined to give thanks. And that brings me to verses 4 through 6. Gratitude and hope. What a weird change here. Did, you know, do you ever do that when you read this? Wait a minute, did I just turn the page? All of a sudden he says, all the kings of the earth, O Yahweh, will give you thanks. Well, wait a minute. He was just talking about himself and his own personal things. He's going to go back to his personal things. And in the middle here, he's got this stuff about the kings of the earth and the nations. And he's not talking about himself at all. He's talking about their relationship to God. And and he talks about these kings as though they're doing good things. And so following some of the commentators on this particular section, describe this as hopeful expectation. He's got a hopeful expectation. All the kings of the earth, O Yahweh, will give you thanks. I won't be alone in this. All the kings of the earth are going to do this. A day is coming when all the nations will submit to Christ. And every king will bow and give thanks to Yahweh. It will be evident that they give thanks to Yahweh. And they will do it by singing. They will hear the words of your mouth and they will sing of the ways of Yahweh. Now that word sing is interesting because we just saw that. And that's why I read Psalm 137. They told them to sing in kind of a reproachful way. And he says, you know what? There's going to come a time when those who would really reproach us for singing the praises of God are going to sing themselves. They're going to sing. The kings, all the kings of the earth are going to sing the praises of God. They're going to sing of the ways of Yahweh. They're going to give thanks to Yahweh. And it's all going to happen. What's the divine means? It's right there in front of you. Verse four, when they hear the words of your mouth, whether they hear them from David As he speaks to them or gives thanks in their presence. Or whether they hear it from some other setting. The the bottom line is they will hear these words and they will believe them. And when they believe them, they will join David in praising God and giving thanks to God and singing to this God. Because they will see that this God is great in glory. And they will sing of the ways of Yahweh, for great is the glory of Yahweh, for Yahweh is high. It made me think of, of, of Rahab. And when, when Rahab took these spies in, she says, everybody's courage is melting. They're all fearful because they heard what your God does. And they believed it. Now they didn't praise him for it, which is what they should have done. But they believed it because they were thought they got scared. We're actually going to get destroyed. The psalmist has some very amazing hope here that the nations will actually join in praising God. And they're going to be led by their kings to give thanks and to sing of the ways of Yahweh because they will hear his words and they will see something of his great glory. Now look with me briefly at the last half of verse 6. Because in the last half of verse 6, after seeing this hopeful expectation and the divine means being the word of God, believed, there's a catalytic character for change. That is, what is it? What character trait has to happen in them to go from those who reproach God's people to those who give thanks to God? What has to happen? Humility. It says, for Yahweh is high, yet he sees the lowly. But the one who exalts himself, he knows from afar. The proud cannot, will not enter in to praising God. Gratitude is an expression of humility. We te- should teach our children that. You should say thank you. Why? Because somebody has given you something that you didn't deserve, or somebody has given you something that was greater than you, and you should thank them. You should say thank you. It's an expression of humility. Humility. And the psalmist goes on to say that those who will not humble themselves will not know God near at hand. I thought of another Old Testament character. This one was a great ruler who had a great kingdom, and he stood up over his kingdom, and he says, Whoa, look at what my hands have done. And it was right after he'd had a dream. And in the dream, he was told that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whom he wishes and sets over it the lowliest of men. And then Daniel interprets Nebuchadnezzar's prayer and he says to him that the king should repent, should turn from his sins. But he won't. He's too high in his own mind and too exalted about himself, so he won't give praise to God and he won't thank God. He doesn't have the character necessary. There's not that humility in him to recognize that he has been given something. He has been given, he was given divine revelation, telling him what God was going to do to him, and he didn't believe it. Can you imagine somebody actually hearing the word of God and not believing it, and not being willing to thank God? Can you imagine such a thing? It just boggles my mind. In order for the nations and the kings to come to this place where they hear the word of God and believe the word of God, they must first humble themselves before this glorious and high Yahweh. And the wonder of wonders is this great God sees those who are humbled. He sees them. What an amazing thing. This high one looks down and he sees them. This is part of his greatness and his glory. We sing of this in one of our hymns, hymn number 71. Great God of wonders, all your ways are worthy of yourself divine and the bright glories of your grace among thine other wonders shine. Oh, may this glorious, matchless love, this godlike miracle of grace, teach mortal tongues to, like those above, raise this song of lofty praise. Who is a pardoning God like thee, or who has grace so rich and free? This is part of his glory. It's not just his might. It's not just his power. It's not just his omniscience, his knowledge of all things. It's his grace the psalmist says this is part of God's glory that they need to see. And he is powerful and he is high. But he remembers the lowly and dwells with them. Again, Derek Kidner. David's experience of grace. Remember when he prayed and God met him. God provided for him, made him bold and strengthened his soul. Remember... David's experience of grace clarifies his vision of glory, which he sees in terms not simply of power, but of magnanimity, magnanimity, yeah, kindness. God's caring no less than his sovereign might is his glory. God's caring no less than his sovereign might is his glory. That's what they needed to see to humble themselves. Gratitude and commitment. Gratitude and hope. Finally, gratitude and confidence. Gratitude and confidence. For whatever reason, David's had this sight that there's a day coming when the kings will actually give thanks to God. He sees some day coming. Maybe it's the the very last day that he's thinking about. Maybe he's been given some prophetic Revelation of the day that Christ returns and all knees will bow and will bend and every person will bow before the Lord Jesus Christ and give him honor and glory. Maybe he's seeing something of that. But as he awaits for that transformation of the nations, he waits in confidence. Confidence, I would say, supported by his expressions of gratitude confidence supported by his statements or expressions of gratitude. Notice with me verse 7, the context of his confidence. He comes to the end of this psalm and it says, though I walk in the midst of distress, or at the end of verse 7, or middle of verse 7, he says, against the wrath of my enemies. He says the context of this gratitude is a context in which he's presently feeling distress, That's those squeezed places, those pressure points in life, those points of feeling overwhelmed. Whether it's pressing down upon you or pressing in upon you from every side. He's in the middle, the midst of those kinds of distressing times. There are angry enemies around him, angry enemies against him. This is the context as he ends this psalm. And yet, he makes these incredible statements of his confidence. He says, you will revive me. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies. And your right hand, that powerful hand, that sovereign hand, that hand of the ruler of all things, will save me. What an amazing statement. Verse 8. If you get another statement, go home with this verse. Post it somewhere. Memorize it. Yahweh will accomplish what concerns me. O Yahweh, your loving kindness endures forever. What an amazing statement of confidence. It says, you haven't forgotten me. Your resources haven't been exhausted. I I still believe that you will accomplish what concerns me. You will take care of me even in these circumstances. And what's the foundation for such a confidence? In a context like this, where there's distresses all around, and there's angry enemies all around, he can make these confident statements. Well, What's the foundation for such confidence? Is he still resting back on, well, God made me bold and strong in the past, so I'm going to just go on in the strength of that. No. His circumstances may have changed, but notice, his God has not. For the God whom he said he gives thanks to in verse 2 is the God whom he's still trusting in in verse 8. O Yahweh, your loving kindness endures forever. Remember Psalm 136? <laughs> over and over and over and over and over, 26 times, your loving kindness indeed never ceases. And he says, You know what? I've said it so many times. I can stand in the midst of these enemies. I can stand in the midst of these distresses. And you haven't changed. You're still the same loving, kind God. Full of mercy. Faithful to every promise. So he stands. And then he ends with prayer. So, do not fail the works of your hands. Do it, Lord. Finish it, complete it. That which you've begun, complete it. Do not fail the works of your hands. And that's not a, a statement of doubt. That's a statement of confidence in prayer. and prayer. I'm going to take this burden and take this time. I'm going to cast it upon you because you have not changed. Well, brethren, as we come to a close. Simple exhortation. Give thanks in everything. Well, no, seems simple. Why don't we do it then? Why do we grumble? Why do we complain? I don't need this. I don't deserve it. Well, no, you do need it because God brought it. And in some sense, you do deserve it. Because God brought it. But He's brought it for a purpose. So recall the great and gracious things that God has done for you. And is doing for you. If you are a child of God, the God of heaven, in eternity past, set his love upon you. And in time, sent his spirit to come by the preaching of the word. And chose you out of darkness. Drew you to himself. He redeemed you through the blood of his own son. He's preserved you to this day by his kindness and his grace. He's sanctifying you, however slowly it might be. But he's involved in your life, making you more and more like your savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, recall these great things. That's what the psalmist did in Psalm 135. Remember what he said. Sing praise to his name for it is lovely. For Yah has chosen Jacob. He says, when you're thinking about giving praise to God, remember, he chose you. And you go back and look. It wasn't because they were great. It wasn't because they were numerous. It was because he set his love upon them. You say, well, it seems so dark. There's so much pressure. There's so much pain. There's so much, yes. But he hasn't changed. And the one who elected you, and called you, and justified you, and forgave you. The one who who is making you into the image of Christ, the one who promised you to be glorified, he's still at work. He did it, and he's not going to stop. He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. When you look at any aspect of creation, give thanks to him. Do you ever give thanks that the the leaves on the trees change colors rather than just turn black and fall off? I do. I mean, maybe I'm weird. But you look at it and go, whoa! That's amazing! Red, yellow. What is all this? The next meal you eat, don't just say a prayer. Thank God for the food you have. Now I could draw lots of illustrations and say well you know there's places in the world where they have to go out and do this and you know, there's all kinds of them out there. And as one of my friends said well then send the food to them. No that's not the point. The point is it's a gift. What's sitting in front of you is a gift. He gave it to you. See the hand behind it. Not just your mom's but thank her too. Every meal you eat. Every time you get dressed, thank Him. He's provided those clothes. Every day you go off to work, thank Him that He's given you something to do. Every day you wake up and breathe, thank Him. There are people who have asthma, severe asthma, or worse, they have a hard time breathing. I just had asthmatic bronchitis once and it was enough to scare the life out of me. I thank God for every breath. I should. Do you? Thank him every day you wake up, every breath you take. Thank him for every forgiven sin. Thank him for hearing your prayers. Thank him for imparting to you unexpected blessings. Thank him and thank him. Don't just be thankful. Don't just be grateful. Thank God for what he has given. And do it frequently. I think that's the, it's pretty obvious from Psalm 136, isn't it? For his mercies endure forever. Do it sincerely and passionately with all your heart. One man said, cold praise is an insulting mockery. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. To sing praises to your name, O Most High, Psalm 92, verses 1 and 2. To declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness at night. When you wake up in the morning, he's met you with his mercy. When you go to bed at night, he's kept you all day. Give thanks in everything. And in giving thanks, it strengthens your heart to pray. And answers to prayer should give you fuel for thanks. Giving thanks to God gives you fuel, gives, stirs your heart to pray. Because when you, when you thank God for something, they say, oh, you know what? I can pray for that next time. I can ask God to help me with that next time. Oh, that's something else. I'll never forget Pastor Smith saying, yeah, I prayed that I might see five amazing animals in the you know, African safari, safari that they went to. His friends said, why did you ask for that? Well, because I want to see them. that's too small. What am I worrying? God doesn't care how small it is. Pray to him. And then you, then you're seeing more and more of him activity. And when you see him, when you pray for something and you see it answered, it gives you fuel for giving thanks. Oh, that's right. He answered my prayer. He gave me this. I've got more to thank him for. Giving thanks strengthens the heart to pray. And prayer, answered prayer, gives us fuel for giving thanks. And then giving thanks to God is a vital element of our acceptable worship. Never get tired of the brethren up here leading us in prayer, having sections of giving thanks. I, I don't know if you notice, know, so I do that a lot. Because I just, you know, I, I get up here to pray and it said you know, in everything give thanks. And we're to bring our request to him with thanksgiving. That It's, it's hard for me just to start a prayer without thanking him for numerous things. We need, to, we need to be filled with this reality. Our, our worship is unacceptable if it's not marked by gratitude. It is a necessary element for true worship. Give thanks to Yahweh. Notice how the psalmist said it. Give thanks to Yahweh for he is good. In other words, it's an expression of appreciation. Give thanks to the God of gods. It's an expression of honor. You are the one who is above all others to whom I must give thanks. He is the Lord of lords. It's an expression of submission. I'm humbling myself before you and thanking you for giving me this. Bowing down in your temple and giving thanks for what you have done. And brethren, giving thanks to God is a testimony to the lost. Giving thanks to God is a major, can be a major testimony to the lost around you. Don't let the fear of man stop you from giving thanks to God. Thanking him just in the common things. Somebody asks you, how's it going? Hey, I got a raise. God gave, you can say, I got a raise. The boss was kind to me. Or you can say, God gave me a raise. He moved the heart of this boss of mine to give me something. And you can thank God in the presence of others. By giving thanks, we acknowledge that everything we have has come from the hand of God. He is overseeing everything and he is loving and good. I won't name any names because it's happened many, many times, but some of you have opportunities to to pray before your unsaved family. You're the the religious one. Oh, we're going to get together for Thanksgiving. Would you lead us in prayer? Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who came into this world and died for my sins. Thank you that we have all this food on the table, that you have provided this for us. It's a great opportunity to stand and witness to God, witness for God in the presence of others. Or just in the cafeteria when I was going to college. Prayed so often that one of the football players across the table smacked somebody when they tried to talk to me while I was praying. Can't you see he's talking to God? (laughs) I I didn't do it because I wanted to witness, but I was witnessing just by stopping for a moment, folding my hands, praying silently even. I wasn't raising my hand. Praise! No, it was, just, it was just a silent prayer. It's all I was doing. But it made an impression. Brethren, it's a testimony when we give thanks to God. The things that we have, we don't take for granted. But the bottom line in the last application is this. Humble yourself before God and give Him thanks. Pride keeps us from being grateful now it can be just a matter of forgetfulness i understand but oftentimes it's just proud pride we think too highly of ourselves that somehow i deserve this somehow i earned this somehow i did this somehow so we don't we don't thank him oh i can handle the little things i'll i'll talk to god about the big things and thank him for those no no every heartbeat those who think highly of themselves the bible tells us the psalm that we sell tells us this those who exalt themselves god will be far from them he knows them from afar if you're here today and you don't give thanks to god because you don't believe in god you don't want to give credit to god for anything if you're sitting here tonight and that's your posture you are standing in the posture of one who is very arrogant, but more, but more importantly to that, God is standing afar off from you. And when you're in trouble, he won't be that very present help in time of need. And when you die, whoever else might be standing around, you will be truly alone. And when you enter eternity... You will meet this God whom you did not thank. And he will say, I will know you from afar. Depart from me. I never knew you. Into outer darkness. All because you would not humble yourself and acknowledge your need Your need of a Savior to forgive you for your sins. Your need to have your guilt dealt with. You wouldn't humble yourself enough to sit down and say, I can't breathe except He gives me a breath. I can't have a heartbeat except He keeps it beating. And you would not acknowledge Him and all of the things that He's doing for you on a daily basis. And you would not give thanks. You're in the midst of those Described in Romans chapter 1, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Beware, because he might give you up and give you up and give you over. He sent his son to dwell with us. We who are his people, as lowly and as weak as we are, he knows our humble state and he dwells with us. He came to dwell with us in the person of Emmanuel. Emmanuel. But he only knows you from afar. Repent of your pride. Humble yourself before God. Cry to him for mercy. And then thank him that he didn't send you to hell before you came to your senses. Before he called you to himself. Thank him for his mercy. Brethren, we have much to give thanks for. May God help us to be passionate, frequent, and sincere in giving thanks. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and ask that you would write it upon our hearts and you would change us by the things that we've seen in the Psalms. We pray you would do this for the glory of your great name as the God of all grace. Amen.